0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Billu, and I'm gonna be answering your questions. Today's episode is brought to you lovingly by Wix, and I wanna tell you all about these guys because they're amazing, and you can learn more directly at wix.com, and that's w-i-x.com. All All right, it's no secret. Wix is an awesome website that they're going to let you build your own website. They're a platform that lets you create your own amazing site with ease. So whether you're building a portfolio of work, starting a business, or anything in between, it starts with an amazing website. It's pretty funny. If you guys had seen the very first website that Lisa and I ever created for our first business, You Photography, you'd be mortified. But I was so proud of that damn thing because it was so hard to do but now it's easy. Wix is going to take care of all the heavy lifting with reliable hosting to keep your website safe, your email marketing ideas ready to rock and roll. They're gonna have simple ways for you to manage your invoices and much more. And what I really love about Wix is that they give you total creative freedom, meaning that it offers you infinite design possibilities, making each website unique and original and totally your vision. Even better, there's a solution for any need that you might have, They've got Wix Blog, Wix Booking, Wix Restaurants, Wix Forum, Wix Stores, and more. After you've built your site, watch how it improves your business traffic and new opportunities. You know me, momentum matters, and these guys are really going to help you generate some momentum because it's going to be so easy to get it up. It's crazy how far we've come. All right, we have a special offer for you guys. You're going to get 10% off your premium Wix plan by visiting Wix.com forward slash impact. That's Wix, W-I-X dot com slash I-M-P-A-C-T. All right. If you're serious about your business, you need to be serious about your website. So get Wix. All right. First question is from Anonymous. Hi, Tom. My brother says I fill my head with a lot of bullshit because I don't have anything real to worry about. He also says that even though I say I'm grateful for what I have, that it's not the case because I don't really grasp how privileged I am. I have to say that it's true. I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm not able to grasp the value of money, how lucky I am to be going to a great university, living in an apartment studio, being physically and mentally healthy, and a lot more things I say I'm grateful for. As I type these things, I can understand them on the surface, but I can't seem to really feel grateful. Even worse, I can't seem to love people I should. This is going to sound awful, but I don't feel as though I love my parents, which is horrible because they are amazing. I also don't know if I'd be able to identify love if I felt it versus feeling comforted by someone what is love and how can i cultivate real powerful feelings of being grateful and loving the people i think i should love whoa okay this is a a very interesting question and i'm going to try to separate what is probably the case uh from what might be the case now the probably the case is just spending time focusing on it um, and really getting in touch with your feelings developing sense awareness, a sense of being able to identify the uh, neurochemical states that you're in um, and then being able to help them flourish by naming them, focusing on them, and fanning their flames. The What might be happening, which is far more distressing, is some sort of, I think it would be called the disassociative disorder, um, where you're actually sort of watching yourself live your life instead of actually being grounded and rooted um, in your life and that I will say spills into an area that I cannot be useful to you and you need to um, seek therapy and work with somebody that uh, has real deep experience there. So let's set that that might be aside in which case again I am totally useless and you need to really work with somebody that um, can benefit you. Now on to the first side of hey maybe this is just a lack of self-awareness um, and I think that a lot of times people have developed the intellectual self awareness. They sort of know what things should be based on what people have told them. And so they can it back, but they've never actually done the work of getting in touch with their emotions. So let's walk through that. So the way that that works is the first thing that you want to do is begin to be aware of physical sensations when you're having them. The next thing that you need to do is be able to name those physical and, um, neurochemical states that you're in. And once you're able to say, okay, I'm having a feeling and it is this feeling, anger, rage, gratitude, sadness, happiness, joy, whatever the case may be, but actually putting a name to it, And then being able to trace it back to what the actual cause of that thing is, then you begin to really develop that self-awareness. You know not only what state you're in, but you're aware of what's causing that. And if you can go a couple of layers deep on the what is causing it, even better. So a lot of times people will respond to the surface thing. So for instance, the most famous argument that Lisa and I ever got into was over a cup of tea. Yes, you heard that correctly. Uh, It became this huge freakout match that almost ended up ruining an entire... weekend uh, because we were about to leave for one of our first and only getaways at a time in our life when we never, or I should say I never, took time off. Um, And the initial understanding that I had was, oh, we're arguing over a cup of tea. I very clearly could have told you that was what the argument was about. But if you go a layer deeper... And ask the series of why questions. So, why are we arguing? We're arguing over a cup of tea. If I had asked the next why, why are we arguing over a cup of tea? I would have had the realization that the reason we were arguing over the cup of tea was because that cup of tea represented her not taking um, my. She wasn't weighing how big of a deal it was that I was taking this time off and how little money we had. And so, if we were going to be paying for a hotel, I wanted to get every minute of use out of it. And From her side, I wasn't taking um, into consideration the fact that she just wanted to have this downtime with me where we weren't being rushed, where efficiency was not the highest value. And once we got to that next layer deeper, then it was like we really began to understand what we were arguing about, which was this was a very big deal for me to take time off. And I wanted her to recognize that I was essentially giving her a gift that I didn't think she understood how big of a thing it was for me. And conversely, she was, from her perspective, I wasn't understanding that she had put up with a lot of being ignored, being backburnered for the business, and that being just with me and being able to have that relaxed time, um, that's what the T represented to each of us. So going deeper to really find out that oftentimes root insecurity or root frustration is going to be a lot uh, more powerful. So... Digging in deeper and beginning to understand what is either driving your apathy or um, what allows you to really connect with something, why you should be grateful for something um, can be very beneficial. Now, the other part is part of the reason that you're not feeling grateful is you probably haven't spent the time to practice gratitude. Like anything, gratitude is something that you can get better at, um, as is grit, tenacity. Uh, There are a lot of things that I think people think as being somewhat innate or either just um, proportionate to the situation, like, hey, I have a loving family and therefore I would feel the gratitude because that is the reality of my situation. Uh, But it doesn't work like that. And so turning inward and sitting down to think about gratitude, to remember a time when you actually felt gratitude and practice that when you think about your family, don't think about it intellectually, try to actually capture the emotion, try to get hooks into the physiology of what gratitude feels like a lot of times that can be thinking about something. So thinking about your parents actually triggers that gratitude, then great. If you have to remember a very specific time where your parents did something that made you feel grateful, um, think about that thing so that you can feel that gratitude. And then when you start feeling that gratitude, then you think about the thing that you want to associate with that gratitude. Um, it's, it's very powerful uh, to do that. So if you see that there are things in your life that you're not feeling that level of gratitude for, find something in your memory that does feel the way that you want to feel for that thing, and then then switch it as you're feeling that, switch it over to thinking about uh, the thing that you want to associate with it. So if that's your parents or your university or your mental health or your um, wealth, whatever the situation is, You need to find the hooks into that physiology. And so sitting in that, um, I think, is really important. And then there's just a level of um, reminding yourself, actually saying that you feel grateful for these things, taking the time to actually feel it, rehearsing that, going back over it, spending time on that every day. Um, I just spoke to somebody who said that um, part of their morning routine was every day, the very first thing that they do when they put their feet on the ground every single morning is they think of things that they're grateful for. And that is just their routine. That's their habit. And if they're really doing that every day and they're really taking the time to feel it, you can imagine how after, you know, a month, six months, a year of doing that, three years of doing that, that you're really starting every day with a very powerful sense of gratitude, but you've taken the time to cultivate it. So um, I think that you need to do that. Um, and then, man, here's a crazy idea for you. One thing that may put all of this in perspective perspective is to at some point um, take a summer, do whatever you need to do, but go travel, go to places where you see that not everybody has it like we have it. There's something about that um, cold shower that makes that warm shower feel pretty fucking good. So if you're Traveling around, if you're helping people less fortunate than you, one, it's very powerful in terms of making you feel good about yourself and your contributions. But also, it's going to make it real fucking clear how good you have it in a visceral way. No one's going to have to remind you intellectually. Um, and we had, um, oh god, Scott Harrison, the guy, the founder of um, is it Charity Water? Uh, yeah, I think that's the name of it. Um, so he went. So he was living just a life of pure excess. Um, he was a club promoter, making a ton of money, dating models, doing drugs, like living this wildly hedonistic life. And he just realized that, that it was all for naught. And what he did was he ended up going um, and joining like this um, ship that goes around to these countries that don't have access to good medical care and helping people that have like these massive tumors that are like, taking over their face. I mean, it was fucking crazy. And he photographed it. And he said that was so life-altering, like all of a sudden, you couldn't even take running water for granted. And the way that that slapped him about and gave him this incredibly visceral sense of things to be grateful for, um, that might be totally earth-shattering for you. So I highly recommend doing something like that. All right. Next up, uh, Ben. Recently, I've heard you mention that you have been that you've begun a process effort to become more extroverted. I'm someone who is a bit of an introvert and would also like to do this. What tips do you have for going about achieving this? All right, I'm here to tell you, man. Your personality is so flexible; it's fucking crazy. And I've been saying now for so many years that I'm introverted that one day I just stopped and I thought, wait a second, this is so weird because that feels really true, and I have a really hard time now going out into public but that was not the case when I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, all through high school, I would have identified aggressively as an extrovert, aggressively. And so I thought, what the hell changed? And it's easy to explain in terms of, okay, I was in business and now all of a sudden in business, I was constantly in over my head. And so there was a lot of anxiety developing um, over time with that. But What that showed me was just that my personality was malleable, that I could go from being extroverted to being almost terrifyingly introverted. And the more I said I was introverted, the more I began to feel introverted. And the more I sort of thought it was cool that um, I had this rich internal life, and thusly when I turned inward, I was met with like this really interesting um, vision of what my future could be and this really amazing neurochemical feedback loop of when I turned inward, um, I felt good and I was energized and I was dreaming and thinking of ways to execute on those dreams. And so I was reinforcing it by saying, yeah, like this is fucking cool. This is why you've won. This is why you've done great. You turn inward, you develop, you work. And yeah, like this is why you've been able to accomplish all this shit. And so all of a sudden I realized, wait a second, I've created this self-reinforcing loop of I'm an introvert. I reinforce I'm an introvert in a thousand different ways, telling people I'm an introvert, feeling good about being introverted, actually accomplishing because I'm introverted. And I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. I used to think I was extroverted. I talked about that. I practiced being on stage. I was doing my stand-up comedy, like all of that. And that made me extroverted. It made me want to interact with people. So it just became very clear that I was neither intrinsically extroverted nor intrinsically introverted. I could lean on either one and practice either skill set. And over time, I would get better at, either skill set. So if you want to be extroverted, what you need to do is start telling yourself, maybe you don't want to go all the way to saying I'm an extrovert because that may feel like total bullshit, but just tell yourself that you're ambiverted, that you can be either introverted or extroverted. And extroversion is a skill that you're working on. You're going to start telling people that extroversion is a skill that you're working on and you're actually going to work on it. So you're going to put yourself in situations where um, you get a chance to practice being outgoing. For me, that has been relentlessly trying to build a network in the world of comic books where I knew absolutely no one. So I was constantly having to introduce myself cold. If you guys saw, I recently posted on Instagram a really cool quote, and it said... hustle until you no longer have to introduce yourself and yo in business i'm not quite there but like there are a lot of people i don't have to introduce myself to in business but holy shit in the world of comics i have to introduce myself to everyone nobody knows who the fuck i am nor do they care and so i am starting as cold as you can imagine and it's been super powerful to say all right dude You don't get to accept that this is a shit skill set. All you have to do is start getting better. So I committed to getting better, and I started practicing, and I would go up to anybody knowing that, yeah, I'm probably going to embarrass myself. This is going to be really fucking awkward, and people are – startled by how bad i am at walking up cold and introducing myself but i'm now i'm getting better and i'm just practicing 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 um and and that's the key so get out there do it put yourself in those super uncomfortable positions remind yourself that all of life is practice it is not about being good you don't have to go up in that moment and be rad and shine you're just going to go up and fumble your way through it and be awkward as hell um and things that i do um is i try and this this works a little bit easier in the situation that I'm in because I can research people beforehand. So I will go to a comic convention and specifically seek out, uh, let's say, a writer or an artist that I know something about. I've read their stuff. And so it's not like ultra, ultra cold. I can just walk up and say, hey, man, I read that thing that you did, or your art is amazing, or you know this, that, or the other. Look, you guys know um, how much time I'm willing to put into researching things. So when I have that hook, the then I'm able to... Um, smooth my particular brand of awkwardness. So finding out what your particular brand of awkwardness is, if it's that you don't know what to say, then pre-plan your opening line with anybody that's completely cold. Get that line down pat and you'll find that that reduces your anxiety about making that first approach. All right, next up, Dan. I am 16 years old, I am a 16 year, nope. I am 16 years old, creative filmmaker, but I am not sure I found the right thing to pursue in my life. I've been making movies since I was five and I always loved it. Later, I discovered YouTube and started filming there. Now I've been doing YouTube for over three years, but I am not sure whether this is the way to go. I absolutely love what I'm doing. I love being creative and thinking about next projects and next videos, but when I finally get to the projects and actual work, the enthusiasm somehow fades away. I often lose motivation and creativity when working. I think I struggle perfectionism that makes me procrastinate on the tasks that makes the work seem impossible to finish. So my question is, how do you actually get to know what to pursue? In a life, where could I be stuck? Um, so here's the reality: doing and seeing things all the way to the finish line in it encompasses a certain amount of crushing boredom. And as I've said many times before, boredom kills far more entrepreneurs than failure. And people just aren't willing to do the boring shit. They're not willing to push themselves to get good at something. Just now, today, in fact, um, I was working on a part of Neon Future, our comic book, which if you haven't read, fucking things sold out. I'm super excited to announce. Um, so, yeah, that bad boy's been selling out left, right, and center. And part of the reason is that I do a lot of boring shit to get it across the finish line. And developing that in yourself comes from changing your identity so that you believe of yourself that you are someone who sees things across the finish line, that that's a very part of your personality. So today, when I was doing boring things like bubble placement, which is fucking boring, I was reminding myself that, yes, it would be a lot more fun to be working on the next idea and to just be playing with the shiny new object. But the reality is I value myself for getting things across the finish line. It is a very part of my identity to do that. So... That became my focus. So every 30 seconds when I wanted to stop and do something else, I would just remind myself, hey, what you value is actually getting this thing out and for sale. And I don't put any value in perfectionism. So I remind myself of the Steve Jobs quotes, uh, Steve Jobs quote, real artist ship. And I think at the end of the day, you have to have that mentality that whatever you're doing, whether it's a film, whether it's a comic book, whether it's anything, there's going to be more of it in the future. And any one thing, if you're trying to make it perfect, then it's never going to see the light of day. And the way that you're going to get better is by creating something that borders on being a lump of shit, and you're going to put it out into the world, and you're going to see how people react. And just know that over time, doing that over and over and over, and every time making a sincere attempt to get better, you're actually going to get better. And so I try to think of things in... Um, 10-year increments and when I think about something in a 10-year increment and I know whoa 10 years from now like Neon Future is the worst comic book we will ever put out because we're going to get better and better and better so if you think about it like that and think about what a beast you'll be in 10 years then that should give you the impetus to keep going so the reality of getting great you're going to have to do boring shit Steve You mentioned many times that on your way to success, you had to learn to close the gaps to become and learn what's necessary to become an entrepreneur. Imagine you have three months time where you could just focus on the soft skills side. Now looking retrospectively, based on your experience, what would you focus on and how would your daily routine look like? All right. So first of all, you're not going to be able to do shit in three months in terms of getting really good at something. So you're going to want to take the next three months and really just begin to build habits and routines um, that are going to empower you. You're going to spend the time thinking about mindset purely. You're going to lay a foundation for how to learn, how to think. Um, And so for the next three months, I would essentially just memorize and practice the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, That's like the amount that you're actually going to be able to learn in three months is Is really pretty limited. So I would put it all into something that is foundational. And that foundation is mindset. Mindset. Get after it. All right. Let's talk about Brand Crowd. Brand Crowd is an online tool you can use to make amazing logos in seconds. All you do is enter your business name, select your industry, and Brand Crowd will generate thousands of logo options for you to choose on the spot, it's pretty amazing when I think about how hard it was for us to create the Impact Theory logo. I'm very jealous, Uh, if this existed back then, I didn't know about it, much to my dismay. Once with BrandCrowd, you have a logo that you like, their online editing tools also will let you customize them if you want, it is super easy. You can choose custom fonts and colors, do basically anything you want till your logo is just right. So whether you're a fitness trainer, a life coach, a startup founder, whatever, if you need a logo fast, BrandCrowd is for you and get this, it is 100% free to get started. Just go to brandcrowd.com forward slash maker to begin. Once you're happy with your logo, you can download all the files you need and you are good to go. And if you don't like BrandCrowd's logo designs, no problem, there's no obligation to pay anything you heard that right. If you don't like the logo that it creates, you have no obligation to pay anything. So this is definitely worth checking out if you want a logo for your business, even if you're just looking for some inspiration. And as far as I know, this is the fastest way to get a logo made for your business. And once again, it is totally free to check it out. Just go to brandcrowd.com forward slash maker. That's B-R-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-D.com forward slash E R. Head over there and check it out. Get your logo. There's no risk. All right. Back to the questions. Um, the next one is from Daniel. All right. Daniel says, my sister is 14 and I'm 26. She has recently told me that she feels like she's not enough of a priority to me. She said, my whole life people told me when I get older, we'll get closer. But the older I get, the less of a priority I become. She told me she understands that I'm working all the time and when I'm not, I want to spend time with my girlfriend. She's totally right, but when I try to talk to her and ask her what would make her feel like a priority, her response is, don't worry, some people just don't feel that way. On the one hand, she needs more from me, but on the other hand, she refuses to take responsibility, and I'm afraid I can't work on a relationship by myself. How do you manage to make your family and friends feel important to you while putting the business first? What advice do you have on the subject? All right, so here's the reality. Um, You have got to be honest with people about exactly how you're going to spend your time, and then when you're spending time with them, you need to make sure that they feel totally engaged with you, that you're not being distracted, you're not being pulled away, because the reality is, I'm going to be really honest, I ignore the shit out of my family. There's just no two ways about it. I definitely prioritize the business. And the reality is that probably, and I mean, no, probably about it. That means I'm not as close to my family as I could be. So this is me being honest with myself and my family about what it is that gives me that deep sense of fulfillment. And the reality is I need to be pushing myself and working and driving to build something incredible because that is the thing that fulfills me the most. Now, at the same time, having said that, I absolutely love spending time with my family. So this is not me like trying to get away because I don't enjoy being around them. I absolutely fucking love being with my family. Nobody more than my wife. And even my wife is Monday through Friday is definitely deprioritized to the business. But on the weekends, I make sure that when I'm with her, I'm really and truly with her and I focus on how I make her feel and I make sure that she feels like she's my number one because she is more important to me than the business. So even though the business gets more of my time by hour, there's no question, she is more important to me. And so if I were in a position where one or the other had to go in some magical scenario where I just could not have both. It is very clear to me that it would be a wiser decision to choose my wife. So I make sure that I make her feel that. And when I don't make her feel that, I respond. So you're going to have to be honest with your sister about what your priorities are and let her know. It isn't that I don't love you. I love you very much. And I want to make sure that we carve out and then carve out whatever amount of time you actually want to be spending with her. I'm going to carve out um, one day a month or two hours every week, whatever, whatever the right answer is for you. There's no right or wrong answer, but whatever it is that fits what you want from your life, I'm gonna carve that time. That time is just for us and we're gonna do something that's incredibly special together and then really be there. So I'll give you an example with my own sister. I see my sister about once a week And she comes over on Sundays and we go to the comic book store together and we play video games and that's it. And we have that time set aside and we look forward to it. And when we're together, I'm not, you know, off doing something else. I'm not checking email uh, in between rounds of the video game. Like I'm totally engaged. And because of that, it's been amazing. And having her move here has really been extraordinary. And we have gotten closer than ever but we only spend about I don't know four or five hours together a week Um, and that is also time that I spend with my wife so when we're playing video games the three of us play together so we found a way to spend that time together to do something that we love and enjoy um, and, and be together as a family so making sure that you have that time set aside again for what you want not just letting her make demands um, that don't fit in with what you want for your life but you need to be honest and if being honest about the amount of time that you want to spend with her makes you uncomfortable then you need to look at why that makes you uncomfortable. Is it making you uncomfortable because it's just hard to say hard things or is it making you uncomfortable because it's not actually what you want? So making sure that that's all in alignment. And look, I've had hard conversations with um, people in my life over the years uh, with being realistic about the amount of time that um, I'm going to spend on my business and myself and that that just, you know, only leaves a certain amount of time. Um, So It isn't easy, but it needs to be something that fills you with fulfillment. You need to not let yourself feel a sense of obligation to other people that exceeds um, what you wanna do. And this is tough, but you have to be honest about what feeds you emotionally. And if that's spending time with your sister, then you need to make more time for it. And if it's spending more time on the business and you love what you're doing, then it's just making sure that you let them know what the expectation is, and then you make them feel fucking awesome In that time and I think that's really the takeaway for whatever reason she doesn't feel important to you but that doesn't have to be associated with time and so finding out what her love language is making sure that you're speaking it so making sure in the time that you are together you're speaking in a way that she can actually understand Um, so if her love language is quality time, then you've got to make sure that you're fully engaged. If her love language is gifts, then, you know, might be little things that you can do, um, for her to show her how much you care. If it's, um, acts of service, then, you know, doing things for her, maybe that's the thing that really makes her feel seen, um, and appreciated. So figuring that out is something that will save you, um, or not save you, but allow you guys to really connect on a meaningful level. All right. Next up, Andrew, I recently read Cal Newport's new book, Digital Minimalism, and I like that it had some practical approaches to deal with social media as someone for whom social media is a central tactic in your strategy. How do you structure and approach it to get the upsides while avoiding the downsides? Do you have set rules for how and when you use it, work in batches or create your posts offline? uh, delegate it to a team member, curious about the actual ways you manage this day to day to engage and build, but avoid the distractions. All right. So here first and foremost, the most important thing that I did, and even though this is bad for my business, I will encourage you guys all to do the same thing. Do not have notifications of any kind. If you want my attention, you literally have to come up and tap me on the shoulder. I, my phone doesn't ring. My, um, Text messages don't beep, I don't even have an icon. So if I were looking at the home screen of my phone and the app icon for text messages is sitting right there, there's no number that shows me how many unread text messages I have. So I don't know if I have any text messages unless I click into the app and actually look at the text messages. That is the only way that I know that someone's trying to get a hold of me there. same thing with my phone. and same thing with email. For the love of God, don't have alarms uh, or alerts set for your email. Ugh, that is the surest way for other people to control your time. So shutting off every single notification changed the game for me. I really, really can't emphasize that enough. You guys have got to shut them all off. Um, so that's number one. Number two, uh, all this stuff that I write—it's actually me. Um, it is the biggest uh, pain in my ass. If I'm honest, like that shit takes so much fucking time. It's crazy. But I, one, don't feel good about other people writing, um, the, you know, Instagram and Facebook content for me. Um, and two, even if I could get over that, it's impossible. That may not be quite the right word, but Man, it's close. It's impossible seeming for people to get the counterintuitive stuff. So what would end up happening is they would just repeat the things that I've already said. And when I'm writing the social content, I'm actively trying to think of things that push me, that make me think of it in a new way or that represent where I'm at that day where something might be pissing me off and so I'm going to be writing from that perspective or I might be feeling like ultra grateful for something and so I'm going to write from that perspective and that keeps it fresh, it keeps it me, it keeps it engaging and hopefully it's helping people evolve alongside me because my own thinking isn't getting dogmatic, I'm not trying to recycle things, I'm trying to push myself to think in new ways Um, and so I've found that that ends up, even though it is so time consuming, it's really one of the more important things that I do now how do I actually go about it so we have a calendar and um, I have somebody on the team who's um, prompting me so they might say hey um, how do you get a mentor and that was one that I recently wrote Um, what's your morning routine that's a terrible example because um, you know we've done that one to death in the past uh, so I hope that wouldn't show up um, on my calendar but they put it in basically a, a thousand different things for me to write about Um, and I go in and I fill those in if I'm traveling, this is, and, and I fill those in basically in my free moments. So if I wake up early or, um, I've got a spare moment in the evening, I'll go into that, what we call a calendar calendar. Um, and I fill that out. And then also, if I'm traveling, I ask them to text me. And so they'll text me an image, let's say, and say, um, you know, write the caption for this or they'll ask me for a quote. Um, And so I try to burn through those on my phone so that I can do them. So yesterday I was traveling to Texas and while I'm at the airport, while I'm sitting on the runway, um, all those little moments where, um, you know, I can do something that takes just a few minutes and I just start banging those out. Or if I'm in an Uber, um, I write those. So this is uh, transitional moments. I think is really where I've pulled away from the pack. I try to use all my transitional moments. Um, So yeah, anytime where I'm walking, I'm reading something. If I'm um, sitting in the back of an Uber, I'm writing something and just trying to use all of those moments to eke out things like the social content. So um, that's how I do that. And then not using any alarms, alerts, um, all that good stuff. That's the key. All right, Amelia Tenassi. Do you ever zone out throughout the day and feel unfocused on literally everything that you're doing? I find this happens to me often and it's horrible because it's difficult to get back in the zone of constant awareness. I'm wondering, does this have to do with my energy levels or is it because of my diet? It doesn't happen daily, but when it does, it messes up my whole day. So I will tell you, if you're asking about your diet, there's almost certainly some element of that. And I find that cognitive optimization comes down to really three key things. One, do you care about what you're doing? That's huge and often overlooked and you'll find yourself zoning out a lot More if you don't care about what you're doing. Number two, is your diet right? This is just brain fog. So if your diet isn't right, if you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, chances are that you're going to get brain fog. You're also going to get dips in uh, mental acuity based on your levels of hunger and where your blood sugar is at and all that. Um, That's huge. And then number three, exercise. I wish it weren't so because I think Working out is an emotional waste of time. It's very important in terms of cognitive optimization, but man, I don't enjoy it. So I really wish I didn't have to do it. My wife loves it. And so I get that there are people out there for whom it is actually on a neurochemical level. It is a lot of enjoyment. That just is not me. Um, but I do find that if I'm not staying on point with my exercise, that I just find myself reaching a little bit harder for that word. Um, so, And there, if you've read John Rady's book, Spark, he talks a lot about if somebody's struggling in a class, let's say calculus, have them do physical exercise where they get their heart rate up to like 80% of the max um, before that for like 30 minutes I forget the exact stats but basically go do um relatively intense physical exercise right before the thing that you need the most mental acuity and you will do better by leaps and bounds. So those three things are the things that I would focus on and one tip that I got from Brandon Burchard and if you don't know that guy, go look him up. He's amazing. I was just talking to people about him. One of the most kind and amazing human beings I've ever come across in my life. I, for the longest time, Brendan, I'm so sorry that this is true. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop with you. You just seem too generous um, but I've known you now for quite some time it's really you and one of the things that he said to me which i thought was rad was if you're ever getting unfocused or you're finishing one thing and before you start another Go get your heart rate up, um, go for a walk, do air squats, um, do uh, you know, a mini workout, just do something that really gets your blood pumping, clears your focus, come back with energy and intention uh, and get back to it. And that is something that I have employed many times. So if I ever find myself getting zoned out like that, I do air squats. And air squats are simply, um, this is a Ben Greenfield um, thing to with no weight on your back you just squat and he said this is something that he does if he's about to like um have a thanksgiving meal or um something carby and he didn't expect So he'll just go in and do 40 air squats. Why 40? I have no idea, Um, but that's the number that he chooses. I do usually groupings of 25, and I try to do as many groupings of 25 as I need. Um, And I found that really powerful for getting my blood pumping, getting focused, and um, quite frankly, if you're doing a lot of them, it actually starts to shape your legs, which is pretty amazing. So there you have it. All right. Augusta Gordy, during the last year, I've been exposed to countless awesome information from life insurance to Wim Hof cold therapy from your podcast. I'm a 41 year old and I spent the last 17 years trying to climb the corporate ladder and I feel a little burned out. The only thing I do love about corporate, the only thing I love about corporate, is being able to take information I learn and share, apply it with small business owners. Also, I read quite a few books to build my knowledge as well. Thanks, Quick Learning. Jim Quick. I love that guy. Uh, What information can you share with someone in their middle age that wants to pivot into business consulting outside of his 9-to-5? All right, motherfuckers. I feel super passionate about people that are at that stage in their career, and I am here to tell you right now, as somebody in my 40s and I'm more on fire than ever more driven than ever working harder than ever getting better faster than I've ever gotten in my life this comes down to how fucking bad do you want it and do you buy into the bullshit about being over the hill or um, being stagnant or you know the world is moving so fast man that is all fucking narrative that is what you tell yourself you need to rejuvenate your thinking. You've gotta be thinking about things that you really care about. You've gotta be focused on reinvention. You've gotta be willing to shake things up in your own life. And if you're able to do that, if you're able to pivot to something that you're fucking excited about that you're actually on fire for and that you're doing the reps to get good at. Like that's where a 20 something is going to fucking eat your lunch, man. They are hungry. They want this shit. They're panicking. They're desperate. They've just gotten out of school. They are fucking lost. And the world has told them that this is their time that they can go and be anything they want. And so even they have this like wonderful mixture of panicking about their fucking future and believing that it's possible that they're young and that this is their time and so they've got the energy and they go after it and man i just see the world fucking beat people down it's bananas to me you can choose to let life beat you down or you can realize you're the ultimate adaptation machine and just because you've spent the last god knows how many years of your life sucking wind or feeling like you're declining or getting worse that does not have to be the scenario if you're eating right you're taking care of your body you're exercising you're focused you're you're hungry, you want something, you build into your identity that you're the kind of person that learns and grows, then you can do that. You don't need to succumb to old age. That is something that people allow themselves. They feel like, oh, well, I've invested this many years into learning this thing and so I should keep doing that. If I had that same mentality, I'd still be in nutrition or I would have stayed in technology or I never would have admitted to myself that I had a whole lot to learn and I would have stayed teaching film. All of those would have been a crime. And so, man, you guys have heard me talk about this before. I am haunted by one fucking quote. Genius is a young person's game. That kept me up at night for a long time. And that is still the hound biting at my ass that keeps me moving, that keeps me fresh because I refuse to let my past be bigger than my future. But the only way that I'm going to continue to make sure that my future is bigger than my past is to force myself to rethink, to re-educate, to reassess everything going on in my life and to find those wonderful areas of collision where you're able to bring a revolutionary new insight to an industry because you're now coming at it from a different way. And let me give you a concrete example of what I mean by that. Coming into comic books from the world of nutrition, looking at the state of the industry and distribution within it, it is so patently fucking absurd that in the nutrition space, you're dealing with very robust distribution systems. You're dealing with incredible technology that allows you to see what's selling in what area, in what store. It is unbelievably useful for product development for understanding where to send your sales staff all of that what's working what's not working and then coming into comic books and realizing that it is it's just amateur hour and that forced me to go okay what can i bring from the world of nutrition and distribution over there what did i learn there that i can apply to this and because i don't have the same assumptions as somebody who grew up in the comic industry i start thinking about things in a radically different way And that is going to allow me to not fall prey to a lot of the problems that companies in the game, entrenched, that grew up there are falling prey to. So when you're not only willing to evolve, you're desperate for it, you're hungry for it, you want to reinvent yourself, that's how you begin to extend the age at which you can have these tremendously disruptive and interesting ideas, but you've got to disrupt yourself first. And that's the key. If you can't disrupt yourself, if you can't force yourself into a new area to learn something from the ground up, to challenge all of your assumptions, then you're going to stagnate. And if you allow yourself to stagnate, then you're going to fail to achieve what you want to achieve. But it's even more, than saying that age is just a number it's recognizing what makes youth useful because once you understand that what makes youth useful is that they have that energy they have a perspective that the world hasn't seen yet because they grew up in a different time in a different era then they come in and they have these quote-unquote radical ideas but the reality is they're only radical to the establishment they're actually completely fucking mundane compared to all the people in their generation, which is why they will grow stale, because their whole generation is thinking exactly the fucking same, because they all grew up the same way. So it isn't about being old or being young, it's about can you change your mindset? So young people change the mindset of the system, they don't change their own mindset, which is why they end up falling prey to the same cycle of revolution to dogma to irrelevancy. So it isn't about being young. It's about disrupting your own thinking. All right. I can feel that I could go on and on and on and on and on about this. Um, One, it terrifies me because I do not ever want to feel like I'm not having new and interesting ideas because that's part of what fuels me. And two, it's just exciting to have something to look forward to. So I know that the only way that that's gonna happen is if I'm constantly disrupting myself. I'm constantly seeking a new way to see things. I'm constantly reminding myself that my current skill set has already taken me as far as it's going to. And if I want a new skill set, I have to learn new shit. I have to disrupt myself. I have to think in a new way. I have to get outside of my box. And that means getting way the fuck outside of your comfort zone. So do all that. Learn some new shit. Immerse yourself in youthful culture if for no other reason than they're the ones with the ideas that are going to disrupt the current system. And quite frankly, they're the ones that you want to market to because they're the ones that are influenceable, but that's a whole nother fucking thing. All right. There it is. Thank you guys so much for joining me. By the way, if you didn't know neon future is selling out, we are crushing it. I'm super excited. Um, one of the largest retailers for comics sold out of our inventory and they ordered heavy. They said that they could have sold a lot more, but were sold out at the distributor as well, which is a problem, but it's a good problem. So for everybody out there that supported us, thank you so much. Issue two is on stands April 24th. If you haven't added to your pull list, do it. If you want a copy, you can always order online uh, from us at comics.impacttheory.com. And you can also get it at comiXology for those that are savvy like that. All right. Until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.